Hi, Sue. How are you going? I'm going fine, thanks. And where are you today? Today I am at Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. Great. Are you coming back to Sydney? I'm on my way back. I've got a stopover in Hanoi and I'll be back by the weekend. Great. Fantastic. So you'll be back just in time to do a a personal face-to-face podcast. Indeed. That will make a difference. Stop all this technical stuff. If people could only hear (laughs) all the toing and froing that goes on between us and the shouting at our computers. Yes. And I wish Zoom would stop messing around with their interface because you just can't find the things you need. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everybody's talking about uh, NIMBYs being the cause of the housing shortage. That's right. Everybody's so getting we'll, piled in. So we'll have a chat about that, and we'll have a chat about how we might fix that problem. And we're also going to talk about a story about real estate agents getting into trouble and the yet another fair trading crackdown on dodgy real estate agents and maybe dodgy strata managers. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is a flat chat wrap. NIMBYs. It's NIMBYs that are causing the housing shortage. That's right. Um, I think everybody's getting piled into the NIMBYs. Everybody's trying to blame NIMBYs for for saying that they don't want any tall towers near them. They don't want lots of apartment buildings. And it's interesting because there are some people who keep saying, well, we don't need big, huge, massive towers. We need just medium density. We need kind of towers which are maybe 10 stories high. Maybe that's kind of much more of a solution. Because I guess when people say, no, we don't want any changes in our suburb, they're all envisaging the kind of towers that we see at roads at, um, in Sydney or at Docklands in Melbourne. Think of the worst possible scenario. But there are some great tall towers that are doing really well and creating fabulous neighbourhoods. Like yeah. in Sydney, we think of Central Park as a, a really great example, which was just a, a horrible old brewery in previous days. And now it's a really thriving multicultural, exciting, vibrant neighbourhood. We'll talk about the solutions later. Let's talk about where these areas, there was an article you sent me, a link, um, about the areas where nimbyism is most rife. Mm. And uh, and I guess the the first sign of that is uh, the lack of approvals of new buildings. But that's not always just about objections from local people, is it? No, that's right. It's also about space. It's about protecting view corridors as well, um, if you're kind of near the harbour or near the water in Sydney. It's lots of things that can be a reason for not having many development applications. And particularly now, development applications are really much, much lower because building costs are so high. Developers are really nervous. And because the housing market hasn't picked up as much as they'd like, they're not sure if they're going to be able to make their money back yet. So, I mean, you know, developers are a bit nervous and they might just be going to the kind of areas that they know and where there already are lots of apartments. And they might be a bit more nervous to go to areas where there aren't so many apartments or where there haven't been many new developments in recent years. So there can be lots of reasons for suburbs being blasted as NIMBY suburbs, I think, when maybe they don't quite deserve the title. Yeah, but there are areas of the city where 
like the, even the slightest hint of a, a medium rise block going up, everybody gets hysterical. The uh, local council, I mean, the local councillors, if they don't object to uh, medium rise or high rise buildings, they'll probably get voted out at the next election. Would that that would certainly play on their minds, wouldn't it? Mm, that's right, and that, that's a problem with having such a short election cycle as well. I suppose you know it doesn't give people the time to become embedded and to to sort of make real changes because they're all nervous about what the electorate will say about them at the next election. That's always really hard too. There's also the problem with these medium rise and, and high rise buildings increase in traffic. I mean, it's not just the overshadowing. It's like mm. bringing lots of people, lots of cars into what might previously have been quiet suburban areas. Mm. And it's funny because whenever an apartment building gets um, proposed that doesn't have an, enough parking for all the residents, there's always a bit of an outcry about that saying, oh, it's not fair. People need to have cars. They they need, they deserve um, car spaces in all these new new buildings. So it's kind of, you can't have it always really. You know, sometimes if you have buildings that only allow one car space for every three apartments, maybe that's a really good idea. Maybe they have spaces go get where people can just rent cars very, very easily within their own buildings. There's always lots of ways of getting around these issues. But I think people start saying, no, we can't have places with no cars. But, and then, yeah, but the same, no, we can't have places with loads of cars. Yeah, and they and they're also saying, well, we we don't want the increase in traffic, but we don't want uh, people who do live here not to have enough car spaces because they'll start parking in suburban streets. So it's yeah. Look, as always, somebody got something to complain about. Does this mean that the state government has to get more involved in these decisions? I mean, they're already quite heavily involved if the project is above a certain value. Do they need to get more involved and basically say to the councils, look, you are too close to the issue to make uh, an informed decision? It's very hard, isn't it? Because people will immediately say, well, that's undemocratic. We vote for local councils on local issues. But the thing is, if these local councils are being very slack about allowing new buildings to go ahead, then really there's no alternative than for the state governments to get involved. I mean, they give lots of areas. Um, targets, but some of those targets are woefully short. You know, mm. the, the areas just aren't matching those targets whatsoever. And it's unfair to other areas who are trying to do their best to to come into to line. So, you know, it can't be one rule for one and, and a different rule for other, other people. So maybe state governments do need to get more involved. Well, that's a scary thought. But, but uh, I mean, <laughs> one of the articles you mentioned, you sent me mentioned the fact that uh, the previous planning minister, Rob Stokes, had a plan for sustainable development in Sydney or, or in New South Wales, and that was scrapped by Anthony Roberts um, when he came in as planning minister in the Parité government. Now people are saying, well, let's have a look at Rob Stokes' plan again. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it, how it goes around and around. <laughs> and I think Chris Minns, um, our premier, um, was always against tall towers, but now he's saying, well, you know, I think tall towers are a really good idea. So it's kind of, I, I guess, circumstances change and people start realising the the reality of the situation that we just don't have enough homes yeah. and we are going to get um, a lot more migration here. So the 
the need for new homes is absolutely urgent. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some possible solutions. That's after this. And we're back. Sue, are there any solutions to the NIMBY problem that jump out at you? Um, well, yeah, I was reading about um, Philip Thales, who's an architect, and he's um, he used to be a councillor on the City of Sydney, and he keeps saying that tall towers aren't necessarily the answer for lots of suburbs. There can be much smaller towers, you know, like eight-storey blocks and lower, and and that kind of median density is much more acceptable to many people, and lots of people would quite like to live in a, a building which is only eight storeys high. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I live on the well, we live on the fifteenth floor of a building, and we have some people who visit us who go onto the balcony and say, "Oh, I could never live this high. Oh, I feel ill just looking over the balcony." So yeah. there's certainly some people who really don't like living high in the sky, and other people mm. who do really like it. So eight stories would be kind of quite a nice compromise in lots of ways. And I was talking to a, another architect yesterday who has designed a house. Um, it, it was kind of like formerly just a shop with a little apartment above, and he's grafted this house onto it. And it's a really small house, but it's such an ingenious design. Even though it's got a very small footprint, it does everything he needs for a house, really. And he said it really makes him realise that we just don't need you know, these huge spaces. We just need really workable spaces. And if you get really well-designed spaces, then, you know, we we don't need such big buildings anymore, really. You know, we yeah. can all live quite happily in um, kind of 80 square metres, really, if it's well-designed, if it's a well-designed area. If it's a crappy designed area, then we need maybe 160 square metres. <laughs> to get away from so, ourselves. Um, <laughs> one of the issues that's or, yeah, suggested in one of the articles that you sent was that there are too many two-bedroom flats being built and not enough three-bedroom flats in, in yes. terms of getting families into apartment blocks. I mean, is that something else the state government should be imposing, that there should be uh, a, a certain number of three-bedroom flats in, in every apartment block? I think that's a good idea. But, you know, the market kind of rates itself sometimes. And I think developers now are actually building a lot more three-bedroom apartments because they realise that Families now are moving into apartments, whereas before they'd always assumed it was just couples and singles, right. really. Yeah. But now families are actually moving in there, and also extended families are moving. So they can see there's a big demand for bigger apartments, so they're actually building them. They're, you know, But sometimes it just takes them a little while to catch up. Yeah, there's a lag. There's a lag. So mm. I think I've got an ingenious solution to the NIMBY problem. Um, All right. So basically... The government, state government and the council say there is going to be uh, an eight or ten storey block built in this space, okay? Mm -hmm. That's going to happen, right? Here are three designs for what they will look like from the outside and get local people to vote on them. Oh, well, that, that is an interesting idea. So therefore, the local people who would otherwise be marching in the street and saying no high-rises here, will be told, well, you're getting one, but you get to choose. You get to choose 
the look of the thing. Do you want it to be a bit retro or do you want it to be modern and glass and steel? Or do you really not care that much? You just don't like the idea and you don't want things to change. Um, mm. I reckon that could work. Huh? Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of very democratic, isn't it, really? And if the three designs are good designs from, you know, well-known architects or really experienced architects, then it shouldn't matter too much which one they choose because any one of those is going to be okay. Yeah, and, uh, you know, then the, the architects can then take that design to another suburb and, and say, look, this has worked really well elsewhere. Um, and, yeah, I think that could work. So who do I call? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to take it to another area because architects would always say that every um, project is designed and built according to its location, you know, the the orientation yeah, and the yeah, views yeah, and the size yeah. and all that kind of thing. They say but that. Maybe, they say yeah. that and then you drive down some of these streets and some of the suburbs and the, it's just block after block that look identical. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, and that's not a good look. It just isn't. It's mm. uh, it hurts your eyes. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about dodgy real estate agents and a supposed crackdown on them. That's after this. And we're back. And there's a story in the paper, and I'll put the link in to the the uh, story notes. Um, about another crackdown on dodgy real estate agents, and it's it's uh, quoting some story about somebody who's been done for embezzlement. And it just reminded me that you know we've, there's been all this talk about oh, uh, rent bidding and underquoting and all the rest of it. I'm yet to hear of a real estate agent who's been told you can't operate anymore. You've breached our rules and. We don't trust you, so you're going to take a year off from being a real estate agent or anything like that. Have you have you come across anything like that? No, I've heard of people having their knuckles wrapped. That's all. But um, I, I guess they maybe say, oh, you've got to have three warnings or something. But I've only ever heard of people getting warnings. I mean, it's different if it's a criminal act, you know, somebody taking yeah. money out of um, bonds and things and using it for jewellery and perfume. That's but, a, um, that, but that's about being a dodgy person, not a dodgy real estate agent. <laughs> sure. I, mean, no, the only... I haven't heard of, of, of people receiving proper punishments no, I, I think breaking they, the rules. I think they should actually really have their knuckles wrapped. I think there mm. should be somebody with a stick who comes around their office and says, "Put your hand on the table. You're going to get <laughs> your knuckles wrapped." Uh, no, but but seriously, I'm not suggesting corporal punishment. Um, mm. You know, because the other part of this is real estate agents. They get a lot of knuckle wrapping going on in there that makes no difference. I mean. To be clear, the majority of agents who are members of Strata Community Association, SCA, they are trying to lift their professional standards and have been doing so for years. But there are still people out there who are, they just pick up a, a license some from somewhere and they're making all sorts of bad decisions, basically just so that they can get a gig. So they'll always go along with the chair or the secretary of their committee. And mm. ordinary owners can't get a look in because the real estate agent is asking, acting as a gatekeeper. They often don't know the law or they don't care about the law. 
And nobody ever comes along and says, you are demonstrably a really bad strata manager and you cannot do this anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think they're probably quite right. I mean, you, you sound a bit like Roy and HG when you're kind of doing one of those rants. But um, <laughs> but I, I think you're, you're right. I mean, I should yeah, be so lucky, lot, lot. by the way. I should be so lucky to to be as funny as those guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there should be a lot more um, curbs on people's behavior, really. I mean, maybe even if they get, you know, a number of complaints against them, they should be investigated by an independent outside body. Um, yeah. Just to have a look, just to make sure it's not people who didn't get their own way who are just complaining as a result, or whether they're really justifiable complaints. Maybe um, a, a strata ombudsman, a real one, not a fake one who yeah. just calls herself that, um, a real one that's set up by the government who can come in and say, you have done this too many times, off you go, you're suspended for a year, and it's a mm. criminal offence if you have been suspended as a strata manager or a real estate agent and you continue to practice in any way. Yeah, I'm sure there's many veteran real estate agents or veteran strata managers who'd love to do that kind of job, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, they'd relish it because they're the ones who get the complaints and it's yep. their reputation that's damaged by all the cowboys. And they'd uh, like to see their industry cleaned up. Yeah, uh, yeah, true. And uh, I, uh, I've i had a couple of messages on the Flat Chat forum from people who have taken complaints against their strata managers to fair trading and fair trading have wrapped them on the knuckles. And what happens is the, the strata manager says, well, I'm not going to be the strata manager in this scheme anymore. Mm. Uh, and and then it, there's blowback on the person who's complained because <laughs> all the other people say, no, we've got to find another strata manager now because you made a stupid complaint. Um, <laughs> look, it's an imperfect world. It yeah, definitely sure. is. Uh, look, I've got to get ready. I've got to get packed. I've got to get on a plane in a couple of hours, heading back towards Sydney at last. Great. And you're probably never going to go away again, are you, after being overseas three times this year already? Well, I think I've done my share of travel for this year, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly international travel. Mm. Um, yeah, premium economy loses its charm very quickly after the third 12-hour flight. Sue, thank you for coming on board. Thank you for your patience in getting set up. And uh, hopefully, well, in, in about a week's time, we'll actually be able to do this face-to-face. Fantastic. Look forward to it, Jimmy. Safe travels. Okay. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.